Welcome one and all to the Pause Ryan Play podcast. We're glad to have you back. Tyler, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for letting me come back. It was great. Well, I was held hostage and told that you had to come back or else I would lose another arm. So here we are. You don't know how to respond to that. I don't know. I don't know what joke is appropriate for this. It's, it's okay. I, I made the first joke, so you can make a secondary one if you'd like. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're all glad to be back. We'll give you a second to come up with that, but we're all here. The whole cast is here and available. We got Josh. How's it going, man? It's going quite excellent, Casey. Thank you. I heard it was a hot day today. It was a it was a hot day. It was just a, I was already running a little bit late to you know come grab you and drive up here. And I looked in the mirror and I, I probably could have fixed my hair, but then I would have been even more late. So. And then you got here, and I was the running hat. late, so it would have worked out just fine. <laughs> hey, man, I like I, I always like wearing a good hat. It's nice. You pull off a hat. You have a head for a hat. I have a monstrosity of a head, so like I put on like a regular size hat, and like the bill is like very small. So do you remember those goofy hats? Sorry, we're talking Disney a little bit here today. Remember those goofy hats from that had the really mm-hmm. sh- narrow thing and like the ears? Yeah, that's how my head looks in all hats. So like <laughs> it's just kind of like oh man, so I have to buy those XL type hats because they're so they're just big. This is why you should just stick with those uh like shipyard beanies that you wear. Oh yeah, I love. They do look good. Hi Vince, how are you though? I'm good. Sorry, I keep talking. I should wait till you introduce me. No, you should talk. You should talk. (laughs) I just Uh, get so hopped up on caffeine before these shows. I'm just like, I have to talk, guys. I have to talk. (laughs) Well, Tyler, what's new in your world of uh, TV watching, movie doing, and all that kind of stuff? Um. Well, I've just actually got up caught up with um, Succession season four. I think is what we're on now. Um, I've really I've actually really enjoyed it. I, I started like for season one, probably like a year or two ago and just couldn't really get into it. And then as like the, this is like the final season, I finally started watching it more and more. And like, I pretty much became like pretty addicted to it, especially after like season, like season two was really good. And then season three, Laurel into season four, like I've been really enjoying it. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I still haven't watched it yet, but I, it's definitely been up there on the list that I've wanted to watch. So, I think you'll love it. I'm excited. What What's okay. this succession about? Like, I'm I'm completely in the dark, but I've seen commercials. So it's kind of like when I see commercials for Empire, though. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but this sounds interesting. So, if you could uh, describe Succession really quickly, what would your description of it be? Anyone? Business. <laughs> You it's, like, it's like business. that Muppet that, Ameri- that it's you the American way. Business. That was what I thought when you said <laughs> that. Uh, I, I've heard it compared to like an Arrested Development type type thing, but not as like comedic, if okay. that makes sense. Okay. Like, it's like a, a super family. rich family, right? Yeah, super rich family empire that's like, they. it's kind of interesting because like the more seasons go on, you're like realizing like, how big they're, I think it's like based on the, like, the guy who owns Fox News or like Rupert Murdoch or whatever, like that family that's like they own like amusement parks and like Just a ton movie of studios and <laughs> a news shit. a news a news station that's kind of like Fox News basically, and so it's all about like like who's going to kind of take over take when over. when you know the father is getting old and all that stuff, and so it's like very much like that. But then you know all everybody in the family is like super dysfunctional. The thing that I like about it is like there's a there are certain points where you're like man I don't know if I can watch this show because it's a little bit some of the people are very unlikable. Well, I think I don't know. I think everybody's They're kind unlikable, of unlikable, but in a likable way. Yes, yes. 
Like it's like very arrested development. It's (laughs) it's kind of like, it's always funny. It's it's always sunny in Philadelphia too. Or like, these are terrible people. I want to watch them. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's how I felt about Mad Men in so many ways too. So, and I love Mad Men. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Interesting. So go watch it. If you haven't seen it guys, Um, I'm going to go add to my list. Josh, add to your list too. Beep. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Vince, what have you been watching, man? Uh, Star Wars Visions 2 came out. Mm-hmm. And the first three episodes specifically are just one banger after the next. They are, those three specifically are so, so good. Um, all of them have been good though. I'm not really an into anime, but that's kind of the fun thing about this one is everyone is like a different art style. So there's even like a Wallace and Gromit style one that's pretty good. Um, I have one left on the list, but those first three episodes, I'm like over here, like these are must watch Star Wars stuff. None of them are canon. It's all just, Pure creativity, version, basically, yeah, like their own. Like if, like, uh, I don't know. I've only watched like three, but there was like one that was kind of like a Celtic type thing. It was like, what if they're Celt, like someone in like Celtic culture or something, made a Star Wars like twenty minutes short or something. Yeah, all of them about twenty minutes long, and they're just they're so good. There's like a stop animation one. Is that what you call it? Yeah, stop motion, stop, stop motion one. Yeah, uh, that I, one was. Cool. I loved it with the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Love. I also like that first one. That first one with the. I don't even I don't even know what kind of animation it is. Me it's like neither. color like watercolors and stuff as they're as the characters moving. Like it's really cool. So it's back, so creative. Back in the day they made a Halo little Halo mini film like that. Um with the watercolor kind of type thing. Oh, yeah. oh cool. it was really cool. Never saw it. Ah, I've never heard of this series that you're talking about though. It's, I it's feel good. like I live in a hole. I don't I'm like, oh what's that? What's that today? But um, I also need to shout out Fleischman is in trouble. I don't think I ever brought it up on the podcast before. Absolutely loved it. It's about a guy going through divorce. Um, I ch- dropped in thinking I'd watch it like on my lunch breaks and just it, it did the same thing that White Lotus did to me where I was just like, nope, got to sit down for this one because it's that good. It just sucks me right in. Anyway, that's about it. That's a bunch of stuff I've been watching. <laughs> what are you watching? It all sounds good. Me? Yes, sir. Uh, well, I've been going through and revisiting all the Marvel films in the cinematic universe with my wife, which has been a lot of fun. We just finished Black Panther. We rewatched, um, Captain Marvel and that was a lot of fun. I, I caught some things I didn't catch before, which was, was really interesting in Captain Marvel. And then we, uh, we've been watching Ted Lasso and obviously tonight when we're recording, this is Ted Lasso night and Ted Lasso has been a whirlwind of emotion for us this year. Um, this season, I guess, has been amazing. I also have started watching Vikings. I believe it's Valhalla, the new one on Netflix. Uh, we got Netflix again just for a couple of shows for a month. And I was like, I want to watch Vikings Valhalla because I was really interested in the original Viking series. It was like one of my faves for a while. Yeah, me too. Ragnar. And it's, 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 it's okay. It's not as good in my opinion, but I think it has a lot of potential. So I am sticking with it. You know, I'm just like holding out that if they do more. So is it made by the same people that did that one Viking show that everybody likes, or is it like a different? I think it has the similar people. Like okay. I think like the, some of the writers are the same, but I think that there are differences in it for sure. So the quality of the production is a little bit different. I think it's great. I think the storylines are pretty big. So for instance, and in like. I'm not giving away any spoilers. Like a big part of it takes place in Norway and right. Like stuff like that. But then also they've kind of like leaked into Novgorod, which is like uh, a settlement by Vikings who went down the, I can't remember what river it is, but essentially it's the founding of Ukraine and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like that area. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Like the, 
it's like a Kivian Rus. Sorry, that's where it is, the Rus. And so it's like very interesting and fascinating where they've kind of like kept those universes together. But there's also like one who's the king of all Denmark or the king of all like like Norway and Denmark and all this. But he's also the king of England for a while. So it's it's got a lot of interesting stuff. It does have some things rooted in historical fact, but as always, it's greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I love I'm it. Sure. <laughs> and I love a good I love a good sword battle. And they have some shield maidens and. They talk about the gods, and it's a fight between Christians and uh, uh, the pagans, which I really enjoy as well, because I think uh, I have a lot of thoughts on on that kind of stuff, because it's always like the new religion shows up, kills the rest of the people, and says this is the perfect religion. And so this kind of highlights the ideas of the people who might have been experiencing the other, which I think is fun. Um, and then I got to keep shouting out what I've been watching on YouTube. You know, I'm a big YouTube series watcher. The guy, Martin Dullard, he is still building and rebuilding his little fortress and fort and i love it i i can watch it for hours like he's rebuilding these two little stone cabins and like a couple weeks ago there was a huge snowstorm in his videos and he has to like rebuild everything and like go through and reset a bunch of stuff up and his tent collapses in the snow and like that's exciting to me and it's like a no frills series like it's super basic this one guy filming all this stuff and then he does it but it's like such good value like yeah if you haven't watched it check what it out so does he fight the bear Oh man, um, the cocaine bear arrives in episode ninety one, <laughs> and which is still a few weeks away. No, I'm just kidding, but it's it's beautiful Italian Alps stuff like that. So super cool, awesome. enjoying it. Uh, but that's what I've been watching. I mentioned that I started it. I don't think I mentioned that I finished Beef before, did mm -hmm. I? It was really really good. Like it's a twenty four, right? Steven Yeun, Ali oh, really? Wong. They make TV shows now. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's on Netflix. Well, because it's Netflix produced and a twenty four produced something like that some sort of joint venture and at first it was just really funny and cool and when i say funny i mean it was really funny because obviously you know, if you've seen any of the trailers you know oh yeah steven young and ali wong they have beef right that's like what the show is about and when they're there together arguing or in their own lives arguing and stuff like that they can just be so hilarious but the show also gets really serious and takes really deep dives i mean very a24-esque takes deep dives into these character lives and why they're doing these things and why they end up having such strong feelings. And it gets crazy. Like it is a hundred percent. I recommend to everyone. If you have some time to watch beef on Netflix. And then besides that, I started new girl. I've watched about half the episodes just like uh, when they were on, when other people are watching them. So a lot of them I've seen, but I've never watched it from start to finish all the way through. And so I'm doing that now and I'm definitely really enjoying it and glad that I'm finally doing that. But yeah, <laughs> so I'm loving that. And then quick plug for our new mini series. I'm going to talk about a lot of the trailers that I've watched really quick. Cause oh, that's nice. about the only other thing I've been watching okay. since the last one. So if you haven't seen, check out our new uh, mini series fast forward, which we have on the channel as well, where we're kind of be breaking down movie news and rumors and everything like that. But since then, literally right before we started recording that last episode, they dropped one of the trailers that I was also really excited to see, they dropped a new trailer for Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds mm. and Snakes, which looks good. A lot of the casting I thought was spot on. It was like, this was how I pictured it. Like when I was, you know, reading this book in my mind, like this is how I pictured this character and other ones, not as much. And so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all ends up. So I didn't know they dropped the trailer until I got on the gram and Straight up, the first, like, meme slash whatever I see is someone goes, is President Snow hot? Like, and they, like I was like, what? So it, I went and watched it. It looks so good, though. It does look good. I feel like even though uh, 
I don't know his name, sorry, but the guy who plays Snow, who plays Cornelius, uh, doesn't look, does what? He looks pretty close to what I was imagining in my head, the way they described him, mm-hmm. but I don't know, something about the actor, at least when I was watching the trailer, just didn't seem right. Meanwhile, Rachel Zegler, who plays opposite of him, is the, um, Lucy, Lucy Gray. Gray Baird. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks nothing like what I thought the character would look like, but she seems perfect. Like I'm super, super. I, well, I remember. I do remember. Like I, because I actually forgot that movie like was happening. Just because it's been a while since I've. It's been a while. The I watched the because I I never read the I didn't read the prequel book, I but I read I read like all the Hunger Games and watched yeah. the movies mm-hmm. and stuff. But I do remember him looking very. I was like, man, he looks very, very young and like very like. Not like how I would picture a Donald Sutherland looking like <laughs> when he's like that age. I'm curious. Did you guys know that Donald Sutherland was on like if whoever? What's the international organization? Is it FBI or C? CIA, CIA, I don't know which whichever one's international. He was on like their like watch list for years because he was anti-war during like some of like his younger years, huh. and so he was like heavily watched when he was coming into America and stuff. Uh-huh. Because like this guy is anti-war and anti-America. He's there a Canadian, so that's a real <laughs> picture of him. Man, he looks fair. They're Stay trying right, really man. hard. Bobo, 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 Bobo. <laughs> they are trying really hard. It's like you. Dumbledore turning into Jude Law over here. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to reverse long bottom, like the thing that oh, like yeah, long yeah. bottoming old T. Long bottoming. <laughs> do you remember that when that was a thing? I, yeah, I, I didn't know I that do. that was a verb, but <laughs> it is now. Everybody it. knows it is now. <laughs> but sorry, Josh, what are your other trailers and thoughts on trailers? Uh, I watched a trailer for Meg Two. Oh God, I haven't <laughs> seen that one yet. It looks so stupid. <laughs> it does. I never saw the first one. Um, I saw the trailer drop today for Flamin' Hot. Oh, I Did can't wait for that one. That? I didn't watch the trailer yet, but I know the premise of it. It seems this it was... Again. Does it look good? Please say it looks good. Uh, my buddy messaged it to me. A buddy Katie who's been on the podcast before. And I watched the trailer all the way through. And I said, this looks simultaneously dope AF and completely unnecessary. You guys haven't seen the trailer. It's basically about... it's. It's like a movie about the guy who helped or who invented flaming hot Cheetos, pretty much. <laughs> you want to know why it's even more like what did you what did you say worthless or what did what'd you say? Uh, unnecessary. Why it's even more unnecessary? Why during production of the movie, I heard that they actually came out and debunked the the, the book that it's based on, and so the story that it's actually based on is like it's not even majority real. false at oh, this point. It's I don't lie. care. I think it's gonna be fun. It's a movie about the creation of the flaming hot Cheeto. Come on, <laughs> what more do you guys want from a movie? So that one, and then the last, oh no, sorry, not last two, one more really quick that I also watched that came out today, The Crowded Room, which is a new Apple TV movie with Tom Holland. That looks very good as well. This is going to be the, the one silver lining of the writer's strike, single silver lining. Once there's nothing good coming out anymore because the writers can't write anymore, I'll finally be able to catch up on all these things. <laughs> <I jump laughs> there you go. <laughs> And then get better quality from higher paid writers afterwards. Yeah, at the end of it, right? Or there or chat go. GPT. No. 
And then <laughs> I want all my movies written by a soulless machine. You know, I don't want. <laughs> Did you guys see the meme of the the board that was just like Chat B, Chat GPT d- doesn't benefit from childhood trauma? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, that was it. That's why I've been <laughs> Chat GPT about it. can't write because it doesn't benefit from childhood trauma. <laughs> to, to, to all the writers out there who are striking, we hope that you get what you're asking for, and we appreciate the work that you've done. The final two, which I thought we'd be most excited for. Dune Part Two. Yes. <laughs> Super excited for that one. Got a long wait ahead of us, but it's starting to come to fruition. And then the new Oppenheimer trailer that dropped. Did you guys see it? Oh my gosh. Whenever they drop a new trailer for either Barbie or Oppenheimer, my excitement level like they <laughs> they, they jump each other. They they j- leapfrog each other. Um all right. Should we get into this movie? What do we watch? I tried to think of something. Did you forget funny. what we watched? No, I remember. I just tried to think of something <laughs> funny to say. I, I was thinking the oh, same I Guardians. I kind of Guys. just low batted right there, but I was like, Guys, I get it. I have one in the group too. I have one in the pod too. I understand. Nice. There you go. That was good. Perfect. So this week we're talking <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the final James Gunn film in the trilogy before he's out. And uh, he's done. He's over to DC. He's leading the DC Cinematic Universe. However, we're going to divert back and talk about specifically Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a beautiful masterpiece indeed. We're not quite to the spoiler section yet, so I'm going to actually ask you guys. I know we're letterboxed people. I haven't updated mine in a while. But I wanted to ask, what was your rating on Letterbox? Letterboxd. And I want to start with Josh. I'll just do it straight. I'm pretty sure I have it right here. Just like read it. Yeah. Four stars on Letterboxd. I wrote a satisfying end to the Guardians trilogy. And then just a quote from the movie. We'll all fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. Oh, I love it. Oh. Sorry. It was just like, it was too good to not put it there. You know, I, I didn't have anything else to say because I was like, it's a beautiful end of the trilogy. It wraps it up nice. And it was emotional, right? It was more emotional than the other ones were. And, and rightfully so. Did you shed a couple of tears? I was sitting next to you. I, I was crying, so I don't. I didn't have any idea what else I was doing. I definitely shed a couple of tears. I mean, you know, I'm very. Susceptible. I've got my dogs, and so I'm very, you know, animal yeah, conscious yeah. and very animal lovey. And so this movie could be. It, it was tough a couple of times to watch, you know, yeah. without. That's not really spoilers. They no, talk no. about that. People <laughs> have mentioned it. So I think that's like every headline is. Yeah. <laughs> don't watch this if you're an animal lover. Yeah, It'll make yeah. you cry. Well, apparently PETA rated this as the perfect animal film. So <laughs> I guess that's worth something. Like a film, they said, yeah, it's a good film to highlight issues about animals. Yeah, cruelty. that's, I think they that's really what it's like that. Yeah, they did. Okay. Um, Unless so. it was a fake headline, but I saw the same thing. Chad GPT wrote that too, so <laughs> you never know. But anyhow. Uh, Casey, just go down the line. I rated a five. You changed it. Because we talked on the night, because yeah. you don't actually have it on Letterboxd. I don't. But we talked that night, we and talked you said it. four as well. Yeah, so Dang. I went to five, and here's the reason why. And I'm just going to, I didn't write a quote, I don't have one. I just enjoyed myself. Like, there was no part of that movie after, like, thinking about it. Because, like, when you first leave the movie, sometimes your first impression can be, like, critical of your expectations, right? Like, ah. Oh. And then I sat that night, and I was like, uh, and Josh knows this. I had a terrible night that night. We left the movie. I had to rush my dog to the emergency room. And this was like 10, 10 o'clock at night. We're driving back for the movie. So I get to the emergency room and I'm like sitting in there, like thinking about my dog and trying to think about other things to distract myself from the spiraling that can happen. You know, when you're like, shit, my dog's going to die. Um, 
My dog is still alive. My dog is well. She's healthy to go off of that, which is great. But I was like, I loved this movie. Like, and I don't have anything I really hate about it. And so it deserves a five because if I'm thinking about like a warm blanket, that was this movie for me. So that's, that's all I have to say. I really loved it. So I'd give it a five. I don't think, I can't remember the last time I actually went on Letterboxd. So I'll just have to give my base opinion on it, but I'd probably give it a five too. Just in based on just even after like the more I've thought about it, like after the movie, like, cause when me and Vince saw it, like after, like pretty much right after we were like, Oh man, that movie was really good. Like really, really good. And usually after that, I tend to kind of, you know, if, it, if I really liked it a lot, I'll kind of like think about it and see if there's like stuff that kind of, kind of bugged me too much about it or anything. But all I could really think about was just like how, like emotionally invested like I, I was in it and just like how I mean we, I don't want to take too much time but just in general like I I thought it was a pretty pretty perfect way to kind of like end like the Guardians like the as the Guardians as they are right now like the perfect way to kind of end that story and kind of end that that trilogy of films that James Gunn like directed so yeah I I, I love that I heard someone say, and I'm sorry, I love that really quickly, but I heard someone say that these are first James Gunn films and then Marvel films second. And 100%. I think that that's, that's a beautiful way to look at it because, like, Star-Lord could come back. The Guardians could come back mm-hmm. in a different way, and we'll talk about this more later. But, like, they will never, like, it's kind of like when a band reassembles after 25 years, something like that. They're going on a reunion tour. They're not the same band as they were before because things have changed people of age experiences are different. They can still play their songs very similarly and they still have the same name, but they're no longer the same. So I think if what, whatever we see of the future of this group, they will not be the same because James Gunn is the head of that chip. He's the captain. So it's going to be different, but yeah, I think Feige said like as much as this can be a director's movie in, a, in the Marvel universe, this is a James Gunn movie or something along those lines. Like, you know, like, and I mean, there are so many weird things in there that are just so like, many. this is very James Gunn, <laughs> especially like even, even if you don't go off of like the, the other like guardian stuff, like even like the, some of the, I was thinking of like, he directed a movie called Slither. I don't know if you ever saw I never did. very, very weird kind of like horror stuff. That was an old like horror movie. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It had a, oh, what's her name? The girl, she directed Cocaine Bear. Elizabeth Bates. She's, yeah. she's okay. Yeah. yeah, but it has like a white, like a kind of a whitish. The cover of the DVD mm-hmm. has like a and there's like thing. yeah, there's like these little things going into like yes. a bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, no, no. <laughs> but like thinking back that no. Okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, just like that. I mean, we're not going to go into two spoilers here, but there's you know there's certain points of the movie where you're just like, this is a very weird thing that you wouldn't really expect in like a kind of like a like a tentpole superhero movie, especially like in like the very beginning part where they go into like, you know, certain, certain spots and stuff like that. And then also just like some of the, um, I don't know. There, I was telling Vince a little bit. I'm like, I'm surprised some of this stuff was in a PG 13 <laughs> rated movie, especially near like the end and stuff. So I don't like those kind of touches make me feel like, okay, this is like, this isn't just like a run of the mill kind of like, Marvel movie where they kind of polish everything off. Like it's very, I don't know, I feel like it's very much like has its own voice. Mm-hmm. You know, like so much of its own voice. <clears throat> the <laughs> one time in the entire movie that I was like distracted and kind of taken out from it was when that little kid got up to go use the bathroom 
And they came back, and then later in the movie, something happened, and I thought, man, that little kid shouldn't be watching that right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so full disclosure. Uh, how old was that? That kid was like... He was what? young. He was like four or five years old. Like, I was like, I'm like, uh, maybe you should not be... In well, the, you'd know better than that. He seems he pretty... Well, maybe like five or six. That's what I was thinking. But, like, my... Like, for example, I feel like he was younger than my... My kids are... My kids just turned... My twins just turned seven. And, like, I probably wouldn't take him to this movie because yeah. there's a lot of, like, scary stuff, sad stuff. And he was, like, he was, like, five or six. He was, like, so tiny. And I was, like, and, like, a lot of time he'd be, like, Mom, what's going on? I'm, like, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> oh, you should have brought this kid to this movie. that, Mom. Yeah. There, there was a baby in ours. There was. There was a freaking baby in ours. It's fine. <laughs> it's a baby can't know. Baby yeah. doesn't know. The baby was just next door to you guys. That kid kept looking at the screen, like, Mom, what's going on? <laughs> uh, uh that's funny. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'll have to make those decisions one day for my son, so we'll have to see. Uh, Vince. Vince, what was your rating? This movie was amazing. I loved it. Every single bit of this movie was so good. It was funny. It was dark. It was so well-balanced. It was creative. The set design was amazing. I just, I, I, it ended, and I was just like, I leaned over to Tyler, and I was just like, that was, there's nothing that I can think of to nitpick on this. Um, having a couple of days passed on it, there's two little things that I can nitpick that are the dumbest two little things in the world. <laughs> One, felt a little long, just a tiny bit long. They could have probably cut a little bit of the action out, no big deal. And two, I kind of missed the presence of Rocket through the whole thing, but you can't do, you can't have this story without Rocket being doing his thing and learning his backstory. I love this movie. This is the best Marvel movie that I think I've seen since the Spider-Man Far From Home, No Way Home, No Way Home oh, movie. Easily. No Way Home. And I love, I love that they just gave James Gunn just free reign to just be weird. I love how weird this movie is. It's so creative. It's so visually pleasing. It's got some of these like crazy, crazy spe space special effects that just they look great, but then there's so much just like actual physical sets and stuff that they've made I, I read i read an article that said the amount of like um special effects they've done on faces like practical effects that they did for the faces for like the animal people like this is like setting a record for the number of prosthetics that they put on characters and stuff it's just this perfect blend of realism and special effects and it's funny and it's not like my biggest gripe of guardians of the galaxy volume two was just like every beat ends with a a joke and only like 50% maybe actually land or are good. This one's perfectly balanced where it's a dramatic, dramatic moment and it doesn't end with a Drax saying nipple, my nipples hurt joke or something <laughs> like that. You know, like it, 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 my it it's funny, but it also like allows us to like feel something in these dramatic moments and doesn't get undercut ever. I feel like he's found this, just this perfect balance. Again, I'm famously not a Drax fan loved him in this movie he was perfect in it i think there was only one time in the entire movie that drax did that over the top laugh and it didn't linger on it it was quick it was easy there might have been a couple other times but never again and he cracked me up every time his ending was beautiful all the characters endings were beautiful i have so many things to say i can't wait to get into the spoiler section of this because i loved this movie so much did you say your actual rating as if we couldn't guess it one star. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, all. Thanks so much. And that's yeah. all, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a five star movie in my book. I know it's not a per, a perfect movie, but I rate 
my, if you look at my letterbox, it's a mess. Like people would look at it and be like, <laughs> Batman v Superman, five stars, you know, cause it's not a perfect movie. I rate a five star movie on if, if I liked it or not, not, and if it's done well enough and I liked it or not, and I want to watch it again and again and again, and this is one that I would want to watch again and again and again. Um, if I had to rank the three, this may be recency bias, so we'll see if it changes, but my order would be number three is my favorite, number one, and number two. But all of them are up there at like four, four and a half, five-star movies. Loved them all. I love this franchise. Let's move on, though, to the spoiler section really quickly, if that's cool. So just so everyone knows, uh, if you don't haven't watched the movie, Spoilers are ahead. Don't All let right. us ruin the movie for you. So first and most important thing. Okay. Uh, Adam Warlock got his shirt off scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Will Poulter got to show off his physique. Sorry, that was a callback to the last episode. Yeah, we exactly. talked about it. He, and it was nice. That yeah, was a joke. We can, we can move it on. Was, <laughs> no, okay, great. but I, I, so, you know, I rated this four stars. You guys already rated it five stars. And I'm sure we'll have small things that we'll kind of nitpick throughout, but it'll be mostly love. So I just wanted to go over a couple of my nitpicks, what kept this from being a five-star movie for me. Yes. One of them, since you mentioned Adam Warlock, was I thought Will Poulter did great. He was very himbo in this, you know. Just very like that dumb, stupid, strong guy, okay. right? That they have. Sorry, it's like I know the kids slaying <laughs> these days. Himbo, I can say it. I'm still Wait, young. I, I had no idea what you were talking about. Actually, I was like, a himbo is like the big buff, like bro bimbo, <laughs> like the bro bimbo. <laughs> the mirror does it again. Bro, bro bimbo. Um, why you don't like him? It's not that I didn't like him. It was that when you look at the story and where it went, it, it felt kind of unnecessary to me. And like I said, I liked him. I I think it's because he had to deliver on the promise that he set up from Guardians 2 and put right. him in there. And then he had 10 years of Marvel continuity to keep up with. <laughs> right. That he had to pay it off, but he also had to write it in in a way that I, I'd be interested to see what the original script looked like before he had to tweak things. Like, right. Gamora hadn't died at the time when he wrote the original script and right. all those kind of things. I liked Adam Warlock a lot in this, actually. And it kind of reminded me, like, yeah, you're right. He didn't really, like, play a huge... Uh, like, there wasn't a big reason for him to be into this. in this. I think, it, I think the way that they did introduce him was a lot better than, like, how they used Ironheart, how they introduced mm -hmm. Ironheart yeah. in Wakanda True. Forever or something. Agreed. It reminded me of kind of like when they introduced um, Black Panther in Civil War, where it's like, this is a character we've never seen before, but we're going to use him a little bit, just kind of get a peek into him to see. what. And, and then in the future, he's already here, so we don't have to go into like the whole... Like who is he and like where yeah, he come and, from? And do like a origin story with him because he's just here now, and then we can like tease it throughout the thing. I feel like that's kind of how Adam Warlock was in this one, where he's just like, he didn't play a huge role, probably didn't need to be here, but the scenes that he was in were good, and in the future, I think we're established now, we can run with him. Exactly. Yeah. And so I like that. I think it's good. And so he was forward, because I was super surprised when I saw Elizabeth Debicki was in the cast list, and she's the one who plays Aisha, I think her name, right? Which is like the mother. That the high sovereign, sovereign ever, The high sovereign lady. Gosh, she's great. And I guess she's really good. She's in Tenet. She's the same person who's the main actress oh, in Tenet. Okay. It's that one. She's amazing. She's really good. Um, but also when I saw her in it and then I saw why she was in it, I was like, okay, it makes sense, right? Continuity wise, the sovereign are still mad. 
about everything, right? It makes sense. But just like as it played out, I was like, this is kind of weird and unnecessary. And they made a big deal about him like trying to save her and then she died and stuff. And I was like, I don't see. But for me, like that makes sense just in terms of like, it doesn't just like if it kind of, for me, like I could totally get that. And on the kind of on the flip side too, it kind of like builds off of not, not just like the, what happened in volume two, but then also, when you're thinking about, because we're going, we're full spoilers now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So we're when we're talking about high evolutionary or the high yeah evolution yeah. high evolutionary and like he actually built like created the like the sovereign the sovereign mm-hmm. and like basically True. built it like built her and then she built Adam Warlock. So there's kind of like that interesting kind of layers and parallels of like trying to build like a perfect human, perfect you know being or whatever. So I think that that kind of like just like with the story, like it kind of fits in there. But I do think, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Like it's like why like outside of the the ending where you're like, okay, Adam Warlock is part of the Guardians now, which is cool. Like I'm excited yeah. to see like how, where they go in with the that. Forward. Like he, he doesn't really, like he kind of, he, I mean, he has an arc, but for the most part, like he is a little inconsequential in terms of like them, like stopping the high evolutionary. Although, I mean, they, he saves Peter Quill, but I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I also like how he kicked off the whole story. You oh know? yeah. That like, was way cool. Like this guy, the high evolutionary with this God p- complex uses his little children, species, children to go and get the one thing that he wants. I thought it was a good introduction to, uh, or a good way to kick off and, and a good way to tie in all of these different uh, species characters mm-hmm. into a, a, a whole overarching story, you know. I mean, the Sovereign. I thought when I first saw Guardians too that they were just going to be kind of like this one-off thing, yep. and they weren't going to come back. They're just going to kick off that story and then disappear. No, they play a whole role in this role into this whole world that they've created. Even the 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 monsters that they fought in Guardians too play a role in why this is all ties together with this high evolutionary being this like evil overarching villain that has pulled all of these people into one thing. Yeah. Well, what's cool about that too is like basically the uh, Adam Warlock and it's like, a, I forget what his mother's name in the movie is. Aisha. I think. Aisha. Okay. But like how terrified she is of the, of the high evolutionary and like the reason why she like, like, cause basically like Adam Warlock's like not completely like, like well, they woke him up early. Yeah. They right? woke him up too early trying to help him get, get rocket basically because she's like terrified of like disappointing him. And because, you know, basically he created, he created the sovereign. So it kind of like all, I, don't, I just liked how that all kind of connected together. And I definitely hadn't thought about the, the second half of, Oh, creating the species with the high evolutionary and their connection. And you know, how yeah, it's a little like, it that's something you like, you have to like think about. Cause that was one thing I kept thinking about after the movie. I was like, how many species did he make? And I mean, yeah. I you could probably go super nerdy into well, it. Well, and that that was what was fascinating is I felt like he was like like in the center of the web, and there was just all this spiral essentially yeah, out from him. Yeah, everything's coming back to him, and it's all just connected, which I thought was really cool. And the alt alter Earth or what is Count, it called? Counter. Counter, Earth, Counter. Thank Earth. you. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like that it was Earth, right? Like I was like, why Earth? And like it kind of like gave me. There's another show where they go to earth and the people are just completely different but it's the same i'm trying to remember what that is but i thought that was fascinating so really cool i i can get where you're coming from though adam warlock did you like him i loved him i i'm not trying to like say anything but adam warlock's character kind of like almost at times would seem forced i think if you weren't quite certain about him but i really liked it where and you guys have already talked about the opening scene where aisha right is her name the high priestess or whatever of the sovereign 
and then him's there. Him's wow. Him's there. Um, Adam Warlock is there, and then the the all the characters kind of like linking together because the Sovereign are still on the trail just because the batteries and how much it's cost them to try and defeat the Guardians, right? And how much they've decimated. So it, it it made a lot of sense to me, and I thought that was a lot of fun. However, Adam Warlock was not what I was expecting, and I think that was what made him more enjoyable for me. But I also Thanks, Will Poulter, for that shirt off scene. Great time. It was it was wonderful. I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect from him because, like I said, uh, the comic book and the video game that I played, the version of Adam Warlock from that is very, very different. A lot yeah. of people uh, on the internet described him as like a Jesus Christ figure, yep. you know, just like this. And he's not that in this, which I didn't mind. I have no real connection to Adam Warlock. And he's so powerful, you know, that, that I like this idea of just like, He's out of the oven a little early, so he's not quite he's not, not quite, quite there, there. You know, he's just he's he's figuring things out still, and I think there's going to be a development of that character to become more and more s- smarter and older and more powerful, kind of like we saw with Groot. You know, like yeah. anyway, well, I thought he was cool. Are the Sovereign just born adults? Is that how they kind of come out because they're cooked like that? I don't know. I don't know enough no about the Sovereign, but I thought that was interesting. Sorry, Josh, we interjected on your your no, it's okay because we session. had a good conversation about that. I just kind of have two other quick yeah. ones. Um that we can also kind of go off of. Uh, I'll do this one first because it was my, because we'll just kind of talk about this one all the way throughout. So we don't necessarily have to mention it specifically right now. I thought the comedy in this one was really good, but there were a few times throughout the movie where the comedic timing between the characters felt really strange. Just like, uh, like you talk about being taken out of a movie because something feels weird. That happened to me a few times during the movie. And I can't remember specifically anything right now, but there were just a couple of times where I was like, oh, this feels like kind of strange. Like it's not like the other movies. I didn't feel as in it. And it was only a couple of times and there were other times where the comedy was just perfect in my opinion. And then this one, I don't think will be controversial, but maybe it will. I felt like we talked a lot in the last one about how much we loved um, and how huge a role the music plays in the movies. And I think of the three, this one was definitely the weakest music-wise as far as the songs that they chose to put in for the most part. And then on the other hand, there were some musical moments that were incredible and, you know, had me pretty much crying. So <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like overall yeah. it was the weakest of the three, but there were still incredible musical moments. There's no way they can ever beat the volume one. Awesome mix vol- volume one. That one is so good to me. Um, really liked the use of creep in the beginning though of this one. I called it being a sad, weird song. <laughs> did. Yeah. I, oh, we're, and, we're sitting in theater. I was like, it's going to be a sad, weird song. And well, I, that that's, yes. that's one of the things that threw me off the most is like the intro to the other two is just like, you guys ready to party? And then, you know, kick off the song. Mr. Blue Sky, come get your love. Or whatever, you know. This one is the opposite. It's just like, we're setting a tone here. We're not going to party in this one. We're going right to the serious dramatic stuff. But I'd agree. Like, this one is the weakest of the the three. That said, I mean, there's some that just, like, hit really hard. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think. Because I was kind of the same way, too. Like, there was points, I've even told Vince. I was like, there were points where, like, in a normal Guardians, like the first two, you would like hear music and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, this is the part we're where. Do something cool. Yeah, we're doing something cool. But for the most part, you're so invested in kind of like the story of like Saving Rocket that when you're hearing these songs, they don't really like hit those same notes. Like they're trying to hit you a different way. But like I thought Creep was good. I really liked um, when they go to Counter Earth, uh, the that song. Ah, what, which, what song was that? Was that? I like, can't I care. We care a lot. Like. Faith No More or something. 
I would have to I look at it. But say. like when when they when that song hits, like when they're going to Counter Earth and stuff, like everything really after Counter Earth, I was just like glued to my seat. That oh, was good. And then I really liked um, the uh, Florence and the Machines. Yes, the dog, dog Days Are Over. Like I thought that was a really good, just kind of like end ending kind of crescendo to like the whole movie. I have a lot to say about that scene. You can talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then on top of that, since we're on the topic of music, um, one of my favorite scenes, which we'll also probably talk about if we talk about the action, but um, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I also thought was Oh, a yeah, great yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's the other one I was thinking of, yeah. That they had as well. Oh, that's that the Beastie really Boys good. one. Right? Yep. Till Brooklyn. Sorry. We're probably going to get a lot the... of copyright <laughs> infringements on this episode. <laughs> no, it was it's good, though. Um, really quickly, I, I agree with you, by the way. I think of the. The, the weaker soundtracks, the weaker soundtrack of all the films, in my opinion. However, I loved that. So this is what I thought was really cool about this. And I thought about it during the movie, we've been waiting for rocket to figure out what he is. Cause the whole entire movie, they call him a rat. The whole entire series, they call him a rabbit. They call him a raccoon. They call him a mouse. They call him a fox. Tra- trash panda, trash oh, panda, like all these different names. And so his identity is the entire time is kind of <laughs> up for debate a little bit. Like what is rocket? So when, when we finally get to this moment, he, he's kind of like, it's interesting for me at least how Marvel kind of does like this figuring stuff out, processing your life type thing. Right. With Thor, we saw a completely unique arc based off of his experiences, right. And how he was and how people were so upset that we, for a while we had depressed, sad, fat bro Thor type type thing. Right. And then like with rocket, like we, it's interesting because he's an animal, right. Because he's an animal, his, his arc, was more beloved in some way, in my opinion, to a lot of people, because like, oh, we love we love raccoons. Like raccoons are weird. I have a raccoon on my computer, right? <laughs> but it, it's it's just so fascinating that like this arc of like self identifying, like who am I, where did I come from, you know, type thing. I mean, he is adorable, and you do love adorable things, right? But also, you just have so much sympathy for what he goes through. I mean, any character, Nebula too. I can't believe how well, how much, how much how well Nebula worked for me in this movie. She's always been just like a side character for me that I've just kind of been like, I get it. You know, she's cool. She's mean. She's got edges, whatever, you know, whatever. She's great in this. I loved how her and Rocket have this connection because they both pretty much went through a similar, a very similar event growing up where their fathers are just abusive and, and tortured them and tore them apart and put them back together and replaced pieces from them. I loved seeing Nebula's like reaction to, to rocket number one being hurt and then number two when he gets better you know her just like you can tell she's she's got these edges but you can tell like she cares about this she connects with this little raccoon but yeah like you watch these characters and especially in this where it doesn't pull any punches it shows you you know the stitches the the, the pain not only to rocket but all of his little cute friends and all these things that you go through you can't help but just like 100 percent sympathize with these these characters, whether they're humans or animals, and really just I thought that the they effects for the animals were like so good. Wow. Like mm-hmm. it was amazing, just like how like I obviously it's like they're not real because because you know it's like Teefs Teefs has like tires for legs, <laughs> yeah. but but like just like the way that they animated them and the way that they told the story, like I was so invested like through that all of that that stuff from his from Rocket's backstory, uh, floor was horrifying and cute <laughs> like the first time i saw floor. floor and that's the rabbit right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like spider like, rabbit oh my goodness yeah but just want to say such a great 
great like when you bring up these animals like i loved each and every single one of them even though they were terrifying monstrosities they reminded me going to toy story of sid's spider animal like that he has in toy story that's what it kind of reminded me of for (laughs) but i loved i loved kind of like it's kind of interesting and like this is like how you make friends in dark places type thing like rocket as a pup is thrown into like this this cage and the first people he meets is like terrifying floor teefs and uh i just forgot lila lila and it's just that would be terrifying but he just openly accepts them and welcomes them kind of into that's his family right that's his actual family and so to him it's such a beautiful thing but like terrifyingly good terrifyingly good and not only like and them too like immediately accepting him as part of the family and they're stuck in this terrible situation but all of them have this like hope you know, of something better. And, and as long as you have friends that you're close with, it doesn't matter what they look like, you know, it's just like this theme of, of, of hope in the worst situations and getting through this this past traumas and looking forward to better, to better days. It's, it's just so, it's just so deep and so good. He's looking at his little, his little hands and he's saying hurt, you know, and his head's (laughs) shaving and and (laughs) like uh, Lila just like reaching and taking care of him. Like what, what a crazy thing, and you're right. No pun, no, like there was no like and cheat th- over the. And this is why I can't struggles. I can't say that my nitpick, you know, like I did miss Rocket in the group of with the Guardians, you know, playing off of Peter and arguing with each other and fighting with each other. But I can't, I can't say that I would want it any other way because I, I loved seeing this backstory and seeing what he went through and how he became who he is, and not only that, but by the end of the movie, like how he finally after all these years of pushing people away and being this like what is what does yondu call him like a professional asshole you know where he's just like he's experienced loss so many times that he just keeps people at arm's distance so that he can't he can't be hurt again like he was that day finally by the end of this movie coming to some kind of closure and opening him up opening up and 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 being ready to accept love and friendship and family again like he did with the original guardians Guys, this is a five star movie. This is a five star movie. This is so good. <laughs> I think I think what it what it comes to me and what it like it feels like right is is I love the the like they kind of talk about him as like a father type figure because like Peter at the beginning of this movie is just in absolute ruin right like he's just an alcoholic he's just sleeping all the time and you know Nebula is being the responsible adult of the just fam. so depressed because his girlfriend's gone yeah like it's hard right and I love how Rocket like they show the value of someone that well like he snaps out of pretty much everything as like we have to say Rocket like is it is it the most beautiful and gracious thing but like it gives him purpose in this film like Star-Lord it gives him an identity that is like I have to save Rocket because he's like a father figure to me, just like Yondu was. So I thought yeah, it was beautiful. I, I think him and Rocket are just best friends. Like, yeah. like they just, like I said in the last episode, they they love each other. But the way that this entire group, the way this entire group shows love to each other, is is bickering and fighting banter. and just and banter, just like just like a regular family. I mean, half of these conversations. I mean, okay. Me and my dad's relationship is very similar to this, where if you listen to me and my dad talk, it sounds like we are fighting. We're yelling at each other. We, we, I'm stubborn. He's stubborn, you know? But in the end, like, we just forget about all the, like, mean things that I say to him. He's always very respectful to me. <laughs> and he pretends like it never happens. You know, it's kind of the same thing as this, where they're fighting all the time and they're bickering. But in the end, like, they really, really do love each other. And, and Peter Quill and Rocket are 
if you ask anyone except for Drax, are best friends. <laughs> Second best friend. Second best friend. Second best friend. <laughs> I want you whatever know? those nuts are that Drax eats, by the way, the whole entire Zug time. Nuts? Zark nuts or whatever. Weren't those in the holiday special? Yeah, I was looking at bits. I'm like, that's 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 a nice callback. Yeah, you can't have any. They're all gone. Yeah, just it's just very fascinating, like how the whole cycle of this story has has went on and happened. And then and then Peter, who has just lost everything. Like he lost his mom when he was a kid. He lost his home planet, taken off the planet. His biological father decides he wants to turn him into a battery and he has to kill his own father. His stepfather ends up dying in the last one. And then his girlfriend falls off a cliff and dies and somehow comes back. Like Peter has gone through and he says it in the movie, everyone I love dies. He's gone through enough. His best friend rocket gets tied, get, gets pretty much killed. He's like, um, like I said earlier, he's willing to do anything to save his best friend. And I love that. This kicks off the adventure of just. This was the next John this. Wick film we deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know if that's a good answer. No. Um, so we're talking about a little bit about Star Lord, and I remember in the previous episode we were talking a little bit about what's going to happen in the Star Lord Gamora storyline, right? What's going to end up being that closure? And I really didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, how are they going to do this? Because they're going to have to reconcile them and they're going to have to get back together somehow, right? I was just assuming that and whatnot. And the way this story ended up playing out with in her new life, right? Because the events of Endgame ended up changing the future and the, the way that events transpired. And so Gamora ended up becoming a Ravager and everything like that. It was really, I feel like it was the perfect way for the Gamora and Star-Lord story to go for it to end up this way. Because even though the actual person is the same person biologically, because it, it speaks really strongly to the experiences of your life really change who you are. And it was really sweet. And it was really thinking, I mean, they mentioned when they were talking to each other and and you get to the end where it's kind of sappy, but you know that they're still not going to end up together. And he's accepted that. And, and she mentions him. She was like, I bet we were fun. Right. And he's like, Oh, you wouldn't believe it was really, really cute. And I was, Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. But it was also just so gratifying. And also in the dog days uh, are over music scene where we're seeing mostly the community on nowhere. It also cuts to her with the ravagers and she, that is her family in this way that the universe ended up panning out that, when the events transpired differently and she ended up becoming ravagers, she was able to find throughout the movie. She was able to see why, because originally she thought, how was I ever you know, in a group with these people? Why, uh, that never would have worked. That's not who I am. She was able to find that and see, okay, I can understand why we would have worked, but it was also able to show that in this different universe and the different way that things transpired that, she had a different family in this one. She was able to find that sense of community that she was looking for with the Ravagers and move forward from there. And so it was really beautiful to see their story end up not as I had expected at all, but the way that really was best for the character moving forward. I thought it was a beautiful storyline that did not go any way how I thought it was going to, but just blew my expectations away. Yeah, that's how I was really kind of like, okay, they're probably going to do a thing where she ends up falling in love with him again and kind of like going that cliche route. So I was, I was, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I was super surprised with how they're like, no, they didn't end up together. They, they're like end up like she ends up kind of like respecting him and stuff. But for the most part, like they're not, you know, it's not like a, like a 
kind of like stereotypical, like, you know, romantic comedy thing where they end up being together at the end. And also something that we and Vince talked about that we loved is how like this Gomorrah is like a hardcore, like crazy Gomorrah. It's like taking Mm -hmm. hostages and shooting people. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did not like it's been so cause like what you have like four movies of an arc with her where she's kind of become like, you know, part of the guardians and she's, you know, not, tries to not do like Thanos stuff. And but, even even when we first meet her in Guardians One, she's already kind of coming over onto the good side. Yeah, you she's know? not like this hard she's and just trying like, to escape Thanos. And, yeah, you never but, see her assassin hard <laughs> killer version. Yeah, like when she's in that when they're in that about. weird like flesh flesh planet thing, and she's just like threatening to like kill people. And you're like, oh my gosh, I did not, I did not see anticipate this. Like I, I, I love that. I loved her that I loved seeing her this way. Just yeah. Running in guns blazing. All these stories that you hear about her, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. This is how she kept being beating Nebula growing up over and over and over again. Yeah, Assassin her is pretty dope. I liked I liked the fleshy planet. I, I just want to talk <laughs> That's about a very that. James Gunn thing too. I was like, there's no way like in another I don't think another director would come up with like this weird flesh planet with these weird People wearing bodysuits that yeah, look like so flesh, cool. but they're not flesh. Let's I talk think. about entering Nathan Fillion into the MCU, <laughs> yeah. huh? <laughs> that was that was a fun little like welcoming thing, and I immediately thought about Big Mouth. There's a character in there who's obsessed with Nathan Fillion, and so I was like, I was like, I I heard her say Nathan Fillion, and I was like, oh okay, yeah, nice. Um, but no, I thought that was a weird, cool planet. I also liked about that episode how these guys are supposed to be like so feared, and he just going through and like. Dis, disengaging or helping them push through the the force fields and stuff like that, and like that was really cool. Star Lord and I don't know that fleshy planet was a weird. That was like a weird trip to me, like kind of like thing. That's I was like, weird. I was like, this is like something you dream, like when you wake up at like five in the morning, be <laughs> like push those weird goopy button things. Yeah, to, like what is going on? Or they put like the thing in, they're like, oh, our spacesuits went out. Those spacesuits, by the way, were my favorite. They were like Polaroid colors, so it was kind of like the Polaroid yeah, like yeah, yeah. logo colors. So that was fun. But yeah, no, I love that part. Can we talk Even about that scene right there with uh, Peter Quill, like kind of begging Gamora to come back to him. <laughs> and they're like, that, that was a good comic bit where there's he's, he's confessing his love and like you trying to convince her. Open line. <laughs> yeah. And then Mantis, who another character that's kind of been like sidelined for me this entire time, just, just turns around in this movie and becomes a immediate favorite of mine. Mantis was awesome in this. And I didn't realize how freaking powerful she was. Like her and Drax are the perfect pairing. Um, didn't wasn't really into it in the holiday special because it's just a little too over the top for me. But again, the balance of these two together—it's so funny when she makes that like the guy fall in love with Drax so they can get into the building. <laughs> God, that was good. No, he's like not again every time. <laughs> you are deeply in love with him, and she's just like so excited to mess with him. Well, because then it also ends up paying off really well when we get to the end. And we talked about the end of everyone's stories and where they end up going and how Drax and Mantis really ended up having a connection a lot stronger than you thought when they talk about them leaving and kind of going different ways and doing what they need to, how it was actually kind of hard, like for for Drax especially to kind of accept that because he'd grown so close to them and especially Mantis, you know, the one who, even though she was only in the second two movies where they just kind of developed this connection and they were always talking and, and in that same guardians way, they were always just bantering being like, no, you're disgusting. Like (laughs) I I hate you. 
just to see how close their connection really was when we got to the end of all of this, when they had to separate. And watching her stand up for him too about three quarters of the way through the movie where she's just like, we like him because he's funny. Yeah, he's stupid, but he makes us laugh. He's the <laughs> only person here that's happy, you know? And that was a good little like, uh, not action joke, but like a serious moment, joke moment where we talk about maybe it's not always the best, but that one where they're having that conversation and you're feeling it, but Drax is in the back like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> like, you think I'm stupid? Oh, wait a sec. <laughs> I don't know if I love this. Um, while we're on the topic of Drax, just really quick. Sorry, I know you wanted to go somewhere else. We got the Drax back that we wanted, right? We talk about dumb, stupid Drax and how it's too much and over the top and how we missed the emotionality that he had in the first one because as soon as you know, we kill Ronan, whatever, all of a sudden Drax and his family and his daughter, it doesn't matter anymore and he's just dumb Drax, right? And for part of this movie, I still feel he's kind of like that, but we got a lot, like you said, it wasn't too over the top and we also get back to Drax the dad, right? And you talk about that, Drax the destroyer versus you know Drax the dad and, and things like that. It was just really nice to be able to have that moment at the end where he's there with the kids and, and you see that and you feel the real and the more emotional Drax that we wanted. And I'm really glad that we got that again and it didn't just end on dumb, dumb, bro, Drax. Yeah. I'm I'm actually like, I want you to know that's where I want to go actually was oh, like the iterate, like the growth of Drax and how he came full circle. My favorite part of this movie is the discussion between Mantis and defending him, but then also when he's playing with the children at the end. And, like, I have never, like, related to, like, a comment more when it was, like, you know, you're not a lot of things. You're never really meant to be this. You're never really meant to be this. But, like, this suits you. And I was kind of, like, I love that because I'm, like, a wandering person, too. Like, I just kind of float and I, like, get really interested in things. I'm, like, nope, 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 nope. And this happens, right? And I'm, like, what the heck do I do? And so, like, I kind of relate to that on like a really weird level. I was like, oh yeah, like I don't know that I'm the perfect dad yet. I'm figuring this all out, but I'm like, oh man, it's cool to be a dad and I get to have lots of fun. I get to be silly and weird and I don't even care. And that was what, that was Drax right there. And so yeah. for me, it was like, I, I cried during that part actually in the movie. Like I cried like seven times in this movie because it was so good. Uh, we talked about a lot of characters and obviously there's still more that we want to talk about. Um, one of the characters we haven't really mentioned yet is... Groot and Groot I guess kind of I don't want to say takes a backseat in the film but he sort of does kind of but he also he pitches into all the character storylines and he's obviously doing all of this for Rocket as well it's a really big part of oh, yeah that one life. scene with him like by Rocket like by the his bedside I was like oh man that's like yeah. that's like tugging my heart that's his so dad mm-hmm. it was definitely tough um, I read an article that, uh, Cade sent me and I wanted to know if I was the only stupid one who didn't understand, uh, Groot's different line at the end of the movie. Did you guys like catch the meaning of it the first time you watched it? Was I the only dumb one who didn't understand it? I, it threw me off when I first heard it. Um, I didn't really think about it again much until you sent me that article. I kind of forgot about that moment because there's just so much to take (laughs) in, but he sent me a headline that's like, yes, said like, Oh, we, we spent so much time with Groot that 
right? Isn't that what it was? Yeah, we spent so much exactly. time with Groot that finally we get to exactly. It's like a, it's an audience payoff moment, right? And at first, I didn't understand it. It was just like, oh, like he said something different because it's the end, and he's gonna say something different or whatever. So through Gamora's storyline, it gives us the as the audience the storyline that we've been, you know, going along in this journey with him. Where at first she's just going throughout the whole movie, just like he's just saying I'm Groot, I know who you are, all these things, blah 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 blah. And then as you get to the end, he says it again, and you realize that she understands because she spent that time with him. And then we've been with him this whole time. He says we, are, I'm Groot, I'm Groot. He says we are Groot the one time in the first one, but he says I am Groot all the time. And then when he says I love you guys, everyone's like, whoa, he said something different. And I was like, oh, he said something different. And then yeah, it wasn't until I saw the article that. I realized, and James Gunn confirmed, right, that it's not just happenstance. That was definitely the real meaning behind it, was to say, you've been on this journey with the Guardians. You've been with them for so long. Like, now you understand Groot and everything. You could speak Groot now. So just a cool little. That called me back. So I did not know this as well. I was kind of like, whoa, because I read read just a blip on Instagram about it. But it called me back to like, uh, oh, man, which is the one where – Thor is in with the Guardians, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I took this in school, you know, like type <laughs> thing. Like they teach this as I, t- I took it as an elective." And I was like, "Holy crap!" So there actually is like something like they're not like <laughs> I think at one point Gamora's like, "You guys aren't just making stuff up, right? Are you?" Like, I, I wonder if Thor really does understand. That's though, a good question. Or if, or if he just said that, just that like, would be really funny if he just pretended. Yeah, like I can see do. Thor just being like, "Oh, I want to impress these guys." So it's just <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, I took that in school." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a possibility. But I, I, I was like, call back to it that like, okay, there is more to this understanding because for a long time i just thought they were under they were like oh just making assumptions about what he was meaning because i was like he's a freaking tree yeah you know but my favorite part about groot in this when you talk about him taking a back seat and and we'll get into the high evolutionary here in a minute we definitely have to talk about high evolutionary and kind of his cronies and what he's doing but when they go to the high evolutionary and Groot whips out all the guns out of his body because like somehow they're untraceable i don't know like whatever happened but i don't think they even scanned him yeah, I think no, they just saw a so. naked body and it was just like, oh, I don't see any guns on it. Possibly. I, I have no idea. But, like, what was really cool was that, like, you see Peter Quill beforehand, like, Starlord go. And he's just like, you know what to do with these. Like, he just, like, so he absorbs them or whatever he does, he tucks them away. And then he whips out, like, ten arms of guns. And you're like, woo, let's go. <laughs> like, that's how I felt at least. So it was really cool. You're it's, right. It's funny the evolution of Groot being this, like, old, wise tree from the first one to being raised by the by these bunch of a-holes to be this violent, <laughs> just like deadly tree who just kills people in the craziest ways. Welcome to the guardians <laughs> of what, the galaxy. That's what happens when you get raised by a family of pirates. <laughs> what, what's, which movie is it where he's like, welcome to the freaking guardians of the galaxy. And he one. didn't say freaking like yeah, that. Yeah. But I guess he did in the first one, he did kill some people in pretty violent ways in that hallway yeah, where he, he like oh, yeah, yeah, shoots yeah, yeah, yeah. the branch through him and, and then he just turns and smiles like, yeah, yeah I did good. Yeah, I did it. Um, Groot really stood out. I think we talked about him taking a little bit of a backseat. He really stood out in the action sequences. That one, like you mentioned, yeah. was definitely a really big one. And then my, I think, personal favorite is the No, no Sleep Till Brooklyn mm-hmm. scene in that hallway where yeah, you just cool. have the very cool camera movement, the slow-mo Groot's going all through and it just kind of pans one by one as they're doing all of the things. Shoots as if it's a one shot. Exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. Definitely. I think, cause I'm trying to remember there were two kind of that I wanted to highlight. I, I'm, I'm struggling to remember what the second one was, but that one, I think I would call my favorite action scene from the movie. And it was nice because it's very cool. James Gunn uh, has talked about, he says he's talked about superhero fatigue 
and he says superhero fatigue is like kind of a thing, but it's not really. It's more so people just hate going to watch people bash each other with no real story attached to it, right? And so this was keeping the superhero theme of we get the cool stuff that we still want to see, but it was so much more limited because the story was so much more grounded in Rocket's story and the group and where they're all going to end up. But we still love the action sequences, and that was my favorite action sequence of the movie. That's probably one of my favorite, like in general, in Marvel. Because I, I remember yeah. watching it, and I'm just thinking, okay, is it going to end here? No, this keeps going and building, I was and like, building and crescendoing. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is becoming like super awesome. And to go back off of that stuff about the, like how, like the you're get emotionally invested in that action scene too because they're fighting basically these really weird like like animal robot things that are like, you know, in another, I think we even talked about this last podcast, but like another like superhero movie, it could just be like generic, like robots or something like, in, like in Ant-Man. Like there's like those, those things that, uh, King has like the, the no name soldiers and stuff. You don't really know what's going on with them, but with these, like, you know, like, okay, these are like high evolutionaries, like, you know, there's like a pig, the war pig, <laughs> like war pig, like and like all these experiments. Yeah, all these failed experiments they're fighting. So it's like it still keeps you like in that story. So you know you don't. You're, it's not just like some random like action scene for action scene's sake. Like it's it still kind of plays into that story with the high evolutionary and like his whole, which is funny because it's like what like his whole his whole army is just these things he kind of pushed aside. Doesn't really care about other than they're supposed to protect the this colony of like super like perfect children or like yeah. humans or something like that. Like, yeah, those crazy mutations. <laughs> well, I liked, I, they reminded me of the mutts from, uh, we talked about earlier, uh, hunger oh, games. They remind yeah. me of kind of oh, like these yeah, monstrosities yeah. that have just been those. twisted and done. And I, I really like that. And I want to talk about the thing you were talking about where, like the fatigue and superior fatigue. What I liked about this actually was that there felt like actual risk in this movie. Like Rocket could die. And then in the end, like all these animals could die. Like Star Lord could die. Like there was a number of things that like were actual real risk. And to be honest with you, I was not expecting the ending of this movie to turn out the way it was. I was expecting it actually to be darker because I was like, James Gunn is going to leave with a bang and he's going to throw us for a loop. And he did. And I love what he did with it. But I was like expecting a much darker outcome. But I loved it. One of my biggest nitpicks about number two is their power consistencies didn't really flow from the first one to that to that one. Like in the first one, everybody felt a little more human, except for Drax was a little OP, right? And all of a sudden, in the second one, Drax is being like pulled behind a spaceship, bounced off of bounce off of trees, and then gets up as if nothing happened. Like he freaking fell out of the sky behind a spaceship. Like you would at least come with scars. And then Gamora later in the movie picks up a gun the size of a spaceship with ease and i'm just like wait a minute are these guys like the same people yeah are they like they took overpowered what's going on here and they're they're all super saiyans and then back to and then back to this one they're back to being a little more balanced out where it's not like they can actually be hurt and there's actually some risk and and it made that one scene so emotional where rocket was on the brink and you didn't know what's going to happen and he went into the light and he talked to lila and the friends were there, right? Because at that moment, I didn't know. It felt a little weird, and so I was like, I don't. I was like, I don't think he's gonna die right now because it w- it would make this movie not feel cheap, but like th- this. Because 
I was expecting someone to die and obviously a lot of the marketing kind of geared it towards rocket and kind of making you think that could be a possibility, but they went on this whole mission throughout the movie. So I was like, Oh, they're not going to kill rocket or anything like that. But in that moment, I didn't know. And it was so emotional because the, their story had already been told. You'd already seen how they died and everything. And we already talked a lot about how that story was emotional and the great beyond and everything. And it was really, it is really fulfilling to see Rocket's character both in the end of this movie and then moving forward as he takes on the role of the leader of the Guardians moving forward to take that line from Lila to heart. You still have a purpose like, and you'll join us one day, but for now you still have a purpose to keep on going. So sorry. There's like, there's too many good things in this movie. To, uh, to and then I was going to say on like with the emotional part of it, uh, Chris Pratt's performance of rocket almost dying. Like that's one of the moments that got me teared up was just like, dude, he cares about this guy and he is like freaking out when rocket's about to die. Like he is just like, you can see the pain on his face. Like I'm, got to save my friend you know yeah yeah well and that was the moment that they 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 clipped that into the trailer pretty mm. briefly and that was kind of the moment that had people thinking oh this is going to be another level of emotional for the guardians just seeing uh chris pratt with that on his face and like almost like drool and spit like coming from his mouth just because yeah. he's yelling just really really incredible job done by everyone and, and i mean we talk about rocket and we keep saying rocket and we mentioned so many of these actors and what they do and whatnot bradley cooper and his voiceover work for rocket is oh, just yeah. absolutely incredible really really good and then um uh, sean gun he they had him do the voice for young rocket as well. Oh, cool! That wasn't. What, what's his character called in in Craglin? Craglin. Yeah, I actually Side wanted to note. talk about yeah. his character. The good dog. <laughs> yeah, the good dog part, but also like the part like he's struggling in the first semester, the telekinesis to yeah. do all this type of stuff, and it's really cool to like have the flashback to where you realize that Yondu also was in way like a huge impactful part <laughs> of his life. Hey, shush. Mac Mac feels things about this. Mac, as you're well. a good dog. Mac knows he's Mac, a good you're dog. You're a good dog. <laughs> but like the beauty in this was like there was a good diversity of the feels in this movie, like where you experience everything. Um, I want to change veins really quickly, if that's okay, to the high evolutionary and kind of like how whack that whole system society with him is. So he's this man, and we're introduced to him through you know Baby Rocket and all this. I guess at the first. Uh, with uh, Adam Warlock and the High Priestess or whatever high person. Sovereign queen. Gold, golden face lady. Elizabeth the Beggy. Thank you. But like <laughs> how he kind of evolves and you kind of see more and then like we get to him and he's like more machine than person or living tissue type thing at one point. And it's like such a fascinating dark character that there's like a mad scientist out there like picking up animals from Earth and creating counter Earth and making making a sea lion with like little tinfoil arms i didn't know about that this kind of when we talked about ronin in the last one where i was i said i think i said it on the pod i can't remember but when i said it's just kind of nice to have a villain be a villain you know this is it done really well yeah like this is a villain that we don't have to sympathize with that we all want to be punished we don't have to be like well he's kind of got a point you know we are overcrowded <laughs> I, I guess like Thanos has a point, you know, this guy is straight up evil, but he's got depth to him. Yeah. You know, you yeah. watch him and you're just like, this guy got a God complex. He's got an ego. I hate this guy, you know, talking about <laughs> villains. You said ego. Sorry. 
Well, Nintendo. what's kind of interesting is the actor who plays this is not a frequenter in movies God, and in so TV series. He's a stage performer primarily. Yeah, and cool. so, like, when he was approached to do this, like, what an amazing and, like, way to solidify yourself is, like, I might not be in a lot of films, but, damn, I'm good. Like, that was, like, it. Like, I hated this character at times. Like, there, you're right. He was a bad guy. He was brutal. He was dark. He, he just – he – he was right. He just was like, like combining it. And I loved when like baby rocket is chilling there and he's like, Oh, this is how you fix this. This is what's wrong. And he like, you see the actual madness and like, I need that brain. Like I need this. Like, it's not like, Oh, like blah, blah, blah. How'd you like, he asked, how did you figure this out? But like, you see the wheels of like, there's nothing good that's coming from Rocket knowing this stuff. Like that's what's crazy. And like, I love that that just broke him that one of his creations could be smarter than him was just not okay. He keeps talking about like creating the perfect being and creating the perfect world, but as soon as he like makes someone that is actually better than him, he's just like, well, no, I, this can't be okay. I have to understand that and I have to take it and I have to put it in me because I have to be the perfect being. And I just, I kind of feel like everything that he does is very selfish you know he's doing it really for himself you know and how cool is that scene like at the end too where like his his kind of minions towards the end he's still so obsessed with like trying to get get rocket and to like get him to get his brain and stuff and then even like his like uh you know like his second in command all that stuff's like you're like gonna lead us all to death like yeah. we're we pretty much all mutinied on you just because of how obsessed you are like i feel like that's just kind of like hammers at home like it's even like even the closest people to him ended up seeing the madness and, yeah, and turning on him. needing a difference. But how great was that scene of Quill just being like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear another madman's monologue. Like, <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> Very good. The whole, the whole thing was just, I, I would say, like, for me, like, this has been my favorite bad guy. Like, I loved Thanos, like you said. But I could sympathize. I'm like, you're right. There's a lot of problems. Let's like fix it. But like this guy, I was like, I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to hear like same thing. I don't want to hear it. But I loved how that mutiny happens. Like you brought it up. The mutiny was probably one of my favorite parts of his part of the storyline. Cause right. They're taking off in this ship. It's blowing up cause it's getting just devastated and stuff is happening. And you know, nowhere shows up and launches the one big bomb at him and all this type of thing. And that was cool when the mutiny happens, but like so sad to see like that person who's like the control operator of everything, like hooked up to all the wires and cables. Like that was weird. I was going to say, I remembered my, my other favorite uh, action sequence was the scene where all of the guardians end up fighting the oh, high evolution yes. right there at the end. Another one with a lot of very cool camera moves and everyone kind of has like, like kind of sounds like rude or anything, but it, it, the guy was terrible. So go with it, had their moment to kind of deal with him. And mm -hmm. so it showed each one of them and each one of them had a very cool move and the camera moves with it were very, very cool with them ending up just taking him down and, and being done with him and it ending up with the, the horrific, but crazy. Which part speaking of, of face, getting speaking of a off. part, that was the part I looked at Vince. And I was like, I don't, this kid probably yeah, should see a guy's <laughs> face come off. <laughs> And they literally yeah. show his face with the eyeball and like all yeah. that stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness! They didn't pull any punches on that. That's exactly no, no. when I when I was referencing later. I was just like, oh, I, that kid shouldn't be seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's so interesting to see that because uh, I don't remember it wasn't much earlier because it, it showed us. Obviously, in the actual timeline, it's earlier. But with Rocket 
when he gets his chance, when they're escaping and everything, and Lila and Thor and them die, and he gets a chance, and he has that catharsis, that cathartic moment. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And it, it was just so horrifying to watch. It, it, you understood where it was coming from, but it made you feel so bad for Rocket because all of that pent-up rage and uh, about someone that he had even looked up to at one point, right, being so important to his life, and then learning that they weren't going to, uh, that nothing was possibly going to become of his life, and the immediate moment after this man is killed, the only people that he's really known as friends and good people in his life, and just, it, it was just such a heart, you know, we've talked about so many heartbreaking moments with Rocket throughout this movie, but it was another one, that came through just so strongly and emotionally that it was, it reminded me of um, the last of us episode eight um, with Ali with not, we won't spoil that since it's different, but with Ali and, and David where it's just, it's happening and you feel so bad for the character in that moment. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is too much. And then you're like, but with what they've had to go through and everything, and it's just crazy. So just another incredible and, and amazing moment that really showed Rocket's backstory and showed the high evolutionary and his true God complex and insane power that he thought he had. When you, when you have a God complex and insane power, or your assumptions are high and uh, in the end you end up making a fool of yourself, I think is a common thread in a lot of villain series. Um, any last thoughts or questions before we kind of close things up and do the final thoughts? I couldn't have laughed harder at the way they used the f-bomb in this movie yes we have to talk <laughs> about that <laughs> sorry uh apparently that was uh ad-libbed like it was a uh, chris pratt just came out came up it just it came just out it. you know whatever but holy crap i laughed so hard at that just his sheer frustration of <laughs> her Never trying to get in this car and then just at the very end just being like just Get in the freaking cars. <laughs> Works so well for me. Just talking about it makes me like this film even more. Like just even having talked about some of the more emotional moments got me a little emotional during the show, which is a good sign for a movie. And just, I don't know, just like thinking about how it feels like a really good closure to like, I feel like every, pretty much every guardian was able to have like a, like an arc that you could see kind of ends with volume three. You know, because, like, really, Rocket ends up becoming, like, the leader now. And so, you know, are we going to maybe hopefully see more of him and, like, and like uh, Cosmo and Adam Morlock and that one little girl? I can't remember her name. But I think her name is Quasar in the comics. Yeah, she, so, apparently, she's actually, like, in the original Guardians of the Galaxy or something. And they just never put her in. So, it's kind of nice little nod to like, that. Little, little nod to that. But just, like, seeing, like, how... Like kind of how that goes forward, but at the same time, like you're, you know, like every if if this ended up being like the last Guardians movie, like I feel like I would look forward to just watching all three of these movies like back to back to back as like their own separate trilogy versus like the whole Marvel, you know, cinematic universe. I definitely had some pretty mixed expectations coming into this movie with where the MCU had been going and just kind of hearing different things and hoping that this would be a satisfying conclusion. And even though there were things that I did nitpick on this movie, it really was just like my letterbox review said, just a satisfying conclusion for this trilogy for all of these characters. And I love that so many of them weren't what we expected to go through. Right. I expected 
Quill and Gamora to get together. I expected Rocket or someone to die. And all of these things subverted my expectations, and I loved it. The way that they ended up taking this story made me emotional. It made me happy. And just to to wrap all of that up, and there was more after this scene, but with that final scene with the dog days are over playing and, and them dancing and being happy, that moment itself kind of wrapped the trilogy and the story of these characters all together. It was a beautiful moment to watch. That was a moment where I was getting teary-eyed. It was a happy moment, right? But it was one where you're just sitting there and as the song plays and you see them. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people talk about Drax dancing in that scene, right? Because he has this whole thing where, oh, happy people dance and I don't dance or whatever. And, and to show him dancing and stuff, it was cool. But I think Nebula dancing in that scene and, and being happy. And there's that, Know, that that's still I've kind of seen all over Twitter and everything of just her pure happiness and thinking of her arc and uh, I talked to be you see Gamora with the Ravagers in that scene the whole trilogy ends up this this third movie wraps it all up very beautifully and that one scene is kind of a mini wrap on the movie and the trilogy as well in just a beautiful way and I think James Dunn did an incredible job and I'm really really looking forward to see what he can do in the DC universe. I totally agree. Like I, I'm glad you brought up that final scene. I don't want to say too much more about it, but that scene was almost just kind of like a breath of fresh air of joy for me. Like I, I cried during it and I love the beauty of like a happy closure. Like I'm a sappy person. I'm sensitive. I'm soft. I, I enjoy those type of things as much as I love a good action sequence. I love a heavy bit of heart and the way that the film ended for me and everything kind of closed out. I was like, this is good. Like, I, I, I'm happy. I definitely would watch it again multiple times. Like, it's going to be on that watch list of, like, pinging through it once a year, once it comes out, once I own it. So I'm excited that Star-Lord will return because you can bring Rocket back and Groot back really easy. Uh, and I, I think that the core, my favorite part of the Guardians are Rocket and Quill, so... I, when that popped up, I that was the best part of the end credit scene for me was like that guaranteed that we're going to see more Chris Pratt. I'm a big Chris Pratt fan, so I'm really excited to see more of him in the, in the universe. I don't know where he's going to show up, but I'm excited for it. I love this movie. It was great. That's about it, I think. That's the end? <laughs> Is that the end of this podcast? Thank you for tuning into the Pause, Ryan Play podcast. Tyler, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining Thanks us. again. We'll, we'll have you back again if you want to join us. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Again, right here. Uh, please go ahead, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Instagram. Uh, we do have TikTok now, which I've been quite terrible at uh, continuing to post, but we're there as well. Um, but if you can give us a thumbs up and a subscribe, we'd appreciate you anywhere you can. Have a good one.